You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Good morning. We are so glad that you are joining us for worship today. My name is Mikey. Uh, I'm the student director here at The Gathering, and um, I just want to say, man, we are just so happy you're here. We are starting, just like Pastor John Mark said, we are starting a new series today called Under Pressure. Well, is there a better term to describe the past year that we've been in than under pressure? I mean, a lot of us have had to um, deal with this reality of pressure and our lives have changed over the past 12 months in ways that, that we probably have never even imagined could have changed. We, we, we have pressures um, coming from us that are, are not like anything we've ever experienced before. And so we are um, starting this series um, about under pressure. Just like um, with when an orange is under pressure, uh, what comes out of it? Orange juice. So what we're asking the question of this series is, is what comes out of you? What leaks in us when we are under pressure? And so the next couple weeks, um, we're going to be looking at a few different characters in the Bible um, and seeing how they handle pressure um, and, see, and kind of taking some, taking some things from their life to apply to our life today. And so the question, again, what we're asking is, is when you are under pressure, what leaks? And so I'm starting off this series with something that, that comes out of us so often that sometimes we don't even realize. And sometimes it plays into so many other um, actions and, uh, and, and, and maybe even sins that come out of us. That, that, but it stems from this one thing called fear. Fear. This morning we're going to be talking about fear. Who, who likes to be scared? Hey, we... Um, I, I have to tell my students all the time. I, I work with students a lot, and so a lot of times I got to tell them, hey, get off your phones, don't text, pay attention. But, but this morning, I want to give you permission to, to text in church. Um, I wanna, I wanna, we want to hear in the chat box. We, we got to find ways to connect. We got to find ways in this weird season to connect with people. And so there's other people there. There's hosts in there. So put in the chat box right now if you like to be scared. If you like haunted houses, if you like scary movies or roller coasters or, or just whatever it may be. I, I personally, I, I love roller coasters. Um, I love um, roller coasters. I love the click, 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 and then hitting that big drop. I mean, I love it. It's so much fun, but I hate scary movies. I, I can't stand when someone just jumps out at me and scares me. I just, I don't like it, but... What I do love is watching other people get scared. And so uh, we got a clip for you. We're going to play this clip and just enjoy. We love the Densons. Pastor Robbie, Chelsea, we love you. Um, you guys are an amazing family and couple. And uh, on behalf of uh, everyone, Chelsea, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for just 
being you and getting scared. We love it. We love watching it. But, well, hey, fear is, um, fear is one of those emotions that we, we don't have to learn. We don't have to learn it. It's, it's in us from the beginning. Fear is, is fun at times like we just saw. Um, you know, we, we pay lots of money to, to wait in a long line at amusement parks to just get scared and just have, feel that kind of adrenaline. Um, some, of, some people go to haunted houses and watch scary movies. I can't figure that out. But, um, and yet other times, fear is good. It's fun sometimes, but it's also good. Um, you know, it's a, it's a response in our brains that tells us that we need to fight or flight. We need to get out of a situation. You know, it's, that, it's that, that idea that when a child runs into a street, like it's good for them to have a level of fear that, that they know they need to get out of that street or, um, or touches a stove. Like when a child ch- touches a stove, like it's good. Or, or when a child gets into the pool without the allotted 30-minute wait time after eating, you know, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's me, but my parents have taught me so much that I've forgotten. But for whatever reason, I remember that little tidbit of information. And I can't, I don't even know if it's true or not, but there's still a level of fear that when, even as an adult, when I eat, I have to think, should I go back in the pool? I, I don't know. And so, honestly, fear can be a good thing. It can be a life-saving thing. It can be a, a fun thing. But, but also, fear can be a damaging emotion. Fear can be an emotion that, that sets into our very um, beings, and we don't even realize it. I want us to look at a Bible, study, uh, Bible story this morning and, and see a group of people faced um, with a fearful situation. I want to see how they each reacted. And so we're going we're gonna to be in Numbers 13. Um, if you've got a Bible, go to Numbers 13. And this story... Um, Story is a, is, a, is a very pretty popular story, and it's, it's the story of when Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land. And he wants them to go and learn about um, the land that God has promised them. And so God spoke to Moses in Exodus 3 and told Moses, I'm going to give you a promised land. Not only, I'm, I'm going I'm to free you from the slavery in Egypt, but I'm also going to bring you to a promised land. So, so God's telling Moses, get ready. Get ready for this. And so in the beginning of Numbers 13, Moses picks 12 men to represent each of the tribes that, of the people that are with him. He, he, he picks these 12 men and he's like, I want you to go scope out this land. Go scope out this promised land for 40 days. Stay there. Find out all the information. He says, find out what kind of country it is. Um, are the people there, uh, are they strong or are they weak? Is the country good to dwell in? Are the towns they live in, are they open? Are they fortified? Like, Find out what this, this city is really like. And so I want to pick up the story in um, chapter 13, verse 27. This is where the spies are talking to Moses and to the people. And it says this, And the spies told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, they dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people down before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And so they brought to the people in Israel brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying, the land 
through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. And then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people that wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Man, I mean, the spies returned with their report that they went out and they sought out this, this land that God has promised them. And they, they brought back to the people a bad report, one that is saturated in fear. They started out good by saying, hey, it's true. This land is flowing with milk and honey. Like, like, like Moses had said, like God has been saying, it is flowing with milk and honey. But, but look at verse 28. There's a word there that just stands out. In verse 28, it says, however, however, fear stepped into the scenario. The spies had heard what Moses said to them about the land flowing with milk and honey. But once they saw the men of this land, fear took over. As they continued to explain what was in this land or what this land was like and how the men of this land devoured, anyone that, anyone that was in this land, the men devoured it and anyone that tried to inhabit it, they just destroyed. And fear just began to overcome these men over and over. They trusted what they saw more than what God had already told them. These men felt the pressure and they felt the great pressure on them that what, what, what came out of them was fear. And so, again, this morning I want to talk about fear. I'm going to, I'm going to do a couple little things. First, I want, to, I want to talk about what fear does. What, what, what does fear do? Fear clouds our judgment. In verse 33, um, the spies are telling the people that it clouds our judgment because the spies are telling the people that, that we were like grasshoppers to these tall guys. But really, and so it, then even in their eyes, we looked like grasshoppers. But if you read later in Joshua, you find out that, but that's not true. The people actually feared the people of God. They said, we know that God is with you. We know that God has brought you through um, a, a water, like it's separated water for you. We know that manna has fallen from the sky. We know that Pharaoh had to let you go because God is on your side. But fear clouded their judgment. And like, no, 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 they're, they are, they're big. They're real big and we're, we're way too small and we can't, we can't handle what they've got. And so fear clouds our judgment. What else does it do? It causes us to run. Fear causes us to run. Chapter 14, verse 2 through 4, the people say, let's return to Egypt. Forget this. Let's just go back. Let's go back to being a slave because I'd rather be a slave and be not scared than, than, be, than, than face this fear in front of me. So let's just run. Let's, let's return. Let's run away. Fear causes us to run. And fear can cause us to be angry. Fear can cause us to be angry. Again, in chapter 14, verse 10, the people, at the end of this story, we see that the people, they get so angry with their leaders. They get so angry with these, these other two spies. They say, you know what? Let's just kill them. <laughs> 
Let's stone them to death. Let's kill them and let's go back and let's pick new leaders and let's go back to Egypt. Fear causes us to be angry. It causes us to get angry. And so when we give in to fear, it causes us to act in ways that are not truly who we are. Fear can so often cause us to believe lies about reality and ourselves. And so I want to give us a, a, a couple truths about fear. A couple truths about fear. The truth about fear is what you fear is often what you trust. What you fear is often what you trust. When the spies saw the men in the promised land and, and had fear, they knew that these men were just too big for them to take on and, and they'll be destroyed by, by these guys. But they also knew that God had promised them this land and they said, God said, I will hand this land over to you. But instead, what they decided to trust was what they saw in front of them. What they saw in front of them were these big dudes, these guys roaming around the streets. They were like, no, 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 that, that, that's too scary. So they, they turned their trust instead of what God said to them they turn their trust to what they see. How many of us know that what we see today is not the only thing we have to trust? We can look around and see the climate of our world. We can, we can, we can see the, the fear and the, and the scariness that our world is. And, and guys, it is. It's scary. It is fearful. I get it. And we, will see, we can see how broken it is. And so often we can trust what we see rather than trusting the, the, the truth that, that God says, that Jesus says that he will provide everything we need. We, we, we trust what we see rather than knowing that Jesus says over and over, nothing can separate me from you. Nothing will pull me away from you. You have nothing to be afraid of because I will never leave you. But instead we trust the fear and miss all God has promised us. The second way, the second truth about fear is fear is the easier choice. Fear is the easier choice. Fear in our world um, it probably doesn't look like giants that want to destroy your city. If it does, call us. Let us know. But, but I don't think it's about uh, giants that want to destroy your city. But, but I do think that sometimes fear in today's world looks like us wanting to destroy the person that doesn't agree with us. I think that, it, yeah, it may, look like, it, may, it may look like anger, but at the root of it so often is fear. The fear of being misunderstood, the fear of being controlled, the fear of, of the unknown. This fear causes us to just turn to anger and, and want to destroy people. And so we lash out at our spouses, our friends, roommates, people online, because, because we truly are just afraid of the future. It may not have anything to do with them. It's just easier to give in to the fear and respond out of fear than, than to, and to trust that, that I don't have to give in to that. You know, we see the spies uh, say over and over and over, let's just go back to Egypt. That's easier. Let's just run back. Let's, I don't want to fight these guys. I don't want to, let's just run back to Egypt. It's easier choice. And so fear is so often the easier choice. And the last, the point, the last truth about fear is fear is not going anywhere. Fear is not going anywhere. Fear is here for the long haul. It was in the beginning. Remember in Genesis when, when, when God was walking through the garden and he was looking for Adam, what was Adam's response? His response was, I was hiding because I was afraid. 
And so fear has been here from the beginning and it's not going anywhere until Jesus comes back and, and destroys it all. But, and so we can't just think of fear like some of us may think about like the COVID disease where we're just like, oh, I can't wait for this to go away. We can't think that fear is just going to go away one day where we can just live without it. We can just live without fear. There's always going to be something that we're faced with. There's always going to be something in our world. There's always going to be something in our life that we're faced with that brings about fear. And so what's the answer to fear? What's the answer to fear if, 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 if the reality is, is that, that fear is easier and, and fear is um, not going anywhere, then what's the answer? The answer this morning is faith. Faith. Response to fear has got to be the same response that the two spies had in our stories. In Numbers 14, 7 through 9, it says, And Joshua and Caleb said to all the congregation of people, the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that is a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. So do not fear them. Joshua and Caleb are, are not thinking that their men are better fighting men. They're not thinking that, that their men have, that their people have more weapons or, or more uh, ammunition or whatever. They're, they just know that, that their faith in God is bigger than their fear. And so instead of responding with fear, Caleb and Joshua, Joshua respond with faith. These men had the same pressure. They, had the same, they saw the same thing that the other 10 spies saw. They saw the same guys. They saw the same walls. They saw the same city. They saw it all. But their response in the midst of the pressure was faith. I love it in verse um, 13, verse 30. Um, it says that it's, it's Caleb talking. And Caleb is, is just one of my favorite characters because he's just an all-faith kind of guy. Like He just is so awesome. And he's like, hey, let's, let's go. Let's take this land. Let's not, not, let's not wait months. Let's not make a battle plan. Let's just go and take it right now. Let's just go. And, and that level of faith that he has is, is, is amazing. And so, and so in the midst of the fear... Caleb and Joshua said, I choose faith over my fear. And so our response to fear has to be faith. But if you're like me, we hear this term faith. We hear, you know, faith over fear. And we think that, that it's either or. That it's like, okay, well, if to overcome my fear, I've got to have faith. Is, it's, and that means I can't have any fear. But, but faith is not the absence of fear. You know, that faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is, in fact, is action in the midst of fear. Faith is action in the midst of fear. And so often we, um, we think that it's one or the other, but really God's saying, no, no, no. You can, you can have faith in the midst of fear. And so, so I want to give us some, some practical ways that we can choose faith over fear. Because we live, again, we live in a scary world. We know the pressure is real. And so I want us to, I want you and I, I want us to be able to come out of this. I want us to be able to move through this life choosing faith every time. And so the first one is how do we have faith in the midst of fear? How do we have faith in the midst of fear? 
First way is we acknowledge the fear. Acknowledge the fear. So many people, and honestly, myself included, are, are afraid to admit that we're afraid. Believe that, that so many of us are afraid to admit that we're afraid. And, and can I tell you, it's okay to be afraid. God's message for us this morning is, is not to never be afraid. He wants us to be able to thrive in our fear. But we can't if we don't ever admit we are afraid. I believe that fear can't survive when it's exposed. I could be struggling and fearful about something that, that's going on at work or at home, or maybe it's about finances or whatever it may be. Um, but, it, but as long as it lives alone on the inside of me, it begins to eat away at me. But once I bring it to Morgan or my friends or, or life group or church, or, and I say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the fear that I have. Fear can't survive when it's exposed. We can also take our fears to Jesus and, and it may not disappear immediately, but I can promise you that it won't survive. Jesus will have the final word. So acknowledge that there is a problem and it's scary. It's not wise or faithful to believe that you can just stick your head in the sand and say, I'm choosing faith over fear. That's not faith. That's something else completely. We don't stick our heads in the sand and say, I have faith over fear and do nothing. We instead acknowledge the fear is real. We bring this to, we bring this to our people. We bring this to our family. We, we talk about this. We expose it for what it is. So we acknowledge that fear is there. And that allows us to begin to have the faith. The next one is this. Look at what God has already done. Look at what God has already done. We can so easily forget what God has already done for us. We lose sight that, that he has been with us the whole time. The story that we read, uh, the Israelites focused on what was in front of them and lost sight that, that this God that they've been, they've been following like, released them from slavery. Slavery that they've only, that's the only life they've known. And this God has released them from slavery. Not only did he release them from slavery, but, but he also brought them, to, um, he brought them to the wilderness, but walked them through um, a, the river. Like, they parted the Red Sea, like parted the waters for them to walk through on dry land. Like This is what God has done for them. He's rained manna down from heaven. He's, he has done so much for these people. But so often what these spies and what these people do is they forget what God has done. And we do this the same. We do the same thing. You know, he provided safety through the water and manna falling from heaven. But, but once they saw what was scary in front of them, they're like, no, 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 no. This is too much for God. And we lose sight of how good God has been to us. And so think about where you have come from. And how you even ended up here today. Think about all the times that, that God has come through in miraculous ways. And, and know that the same God is not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. And so the Bible says 365 times, do not fear. Do not fear. That's, that's Jesus saying, you have nothing to fear. And yet when, when you do fear, it's okay because I've brought you this far. And I'm not going to leave you here now. 
Remember where we came from. Jesus is reminding us every single day of the year that when you are afraid that you can remember he's, he's with us. He's, he's brought us this far. He's brought us to where we are. Jesus says, look at the birds. Do they not have food and clothing for all they need? Why do you fear that I won't provide all that you need? And sometimes what we need is we need to look back to be able to move forward. And God has brought us this far. He won't leave us now. My last uh, point this morning is this. Eyes up, soul rest. Eyes up, soul rest. My wife, Morgan, wrote a poem a few years ago that has literally changed my life. And now that might sound like an exaggeration. Or I'm trying to get some brownie points. But, but honestly, these words ring true in my mind constantly. Eyes up, soul rest. I mean, I don't know where I would be if I didn't believe these words, that I could turn my eyes up to Jesus and let my soul rest because I know that Jesus is walking with me. That he is here now, that he is more real now than the, my next breath. And so when fear comes, I repeat hundreds and thousands of times this phrase, eyes up, soul rest. Eyes up, soul rest. I don't, I don't have to be afraid because I can look to the God that says, I am, your, I am your high priest that walks with you, that I'm not distant, I'm not too far off. I am with you. You can look up and you can see, you can be you can be calmed by the fact that I'm with you now. How to have faith over fear is we turn our eyes to Jesus. Now I know that sometimes we'll hear a phrase like that, turn your eyes to Jesus, and you might, you might think back to a popular songs or hymns or you hear this term of turn your eyes to Jesus and, and you think, and, and maybe, maybe you've done that and maybe you've tried it and it didn't work and you're just like, ah, I don't know if it's true. I know for myself, I've had to ask myself this question of, of how do I know that, that I'm turning my eyes to Jesus? How do I know that, that I truly am turning my eyes to Jesus? I'm, I'm looking up into the sky. Does that count? Like I'm looking up. I mean, I'm reading my Bible. I'm looking at the Bible or at least I'm reading scripture that passes through my social media account. I'm, I'm trying to turn my eyes to Jesus. I'm praying. Is that, is that what it means to turn my eyes to Jesus? How do I know that I've turned my eyes to Jesus? How do I know that, 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 I can, that I can trust that my eyes are turned to Jesus? And here's, here's the simple answer. It's the next line. Eyes up, soul rest. Is that we know that, that our eyes are on Jesus when we, when we feel our souls resting. When we feel our souls resting, we know that then we're looking at Jesus. So, so what does that mean? Is that if you're praying and your soul's not resting, then pray more. Keep praying. If, you're, if your eyes are on Jesus and, and you're reading scripture and you're going to church and you're in life groups and, and your soul's not resting, keep going. Keep doing it. Keep, keep seeking him out. Your soul will rest. God says it. I will bring rest for your soul. Turn your eyes to me. It's a simple, bit powerful message I feel like God's trying to remind us of. Is that 
He knows that what's in front of us is scary. He knows what is, what's around us is scary. But he's given us this access to him to where we can turn our eyes to him and let our soul rest. Psalms 23, 4 says, David is saying, he says this, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David, David is saying, he, he's saying, I know that I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I know that it's there, but I know that you're with me because I'm looking at you. And I know that I'm looking at you because my soul is rest. I am comforted by you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus is saying this. He says, come to me, all you, are who we, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So often we run by this verse, we, we run by the verse and it's like, yes, come to me, come to me. But, but that last line is that you will find rest for your souls. I feel like someone this morning needs to hear that there is rest for your soul. That what's in front of you is scary. What's, in, what's around you is scary. The pressure is real and I know it's real. Turn your eyes to Jesus this morning. He will bring rest for you. Psalm 62, 1. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Faith over fear looks like this. Eyes up, soul rest. We can trust that God is with us. Maybe you're walking, maybe you're walking in fear today and you have no answer for it. You have no answer for what's in front of you. You have no answer for what's on sides of you. You have no answer for the fear that's around you. And today, what you need more than anything is you need, you need faith in something bigger than your fear. Can I tell you that the answer to that faith is Jesus this morning? That Jesus is the answer to our fear. That Jesus is the thing that you need and that you need rest for your soul. Can I tell you that Jesus promises us that? He says, I've got rest for your soul. I want more for you than what you're walking through. I want more for you than what, what you're seeing. He says, I want you to have rest for your soul. And so I'm gonna pray this morning. And if that's you this morning where you're saying, you know what, I need, I need to put my faith in Jesus, maybe for the first time this morning. I would encourage you to pray with us. Pray with us. Pray with me right now. Lord, I just... Jesus, we, I need you. Jesus, I need you to be real to me. God, the, the fear is real, Lord. I need you to be more real. Jesus, I need you to be who you say you're going to be. Lord, I put my faith, I put my trust, I give you my life this morning, trusting and knowing that, that what you have for me is better. Jesus, I ask that you come into my life. You come into my heart. You, you take it over. You be my God. You be my Savior. You be my rest this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org, find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church, or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.